Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. You know, it's interesting in John 9, 5, another one of those I am's, I am the light of the world. But here Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Jesus is the light who generates light. He's like the sun. But you and I don't generate light. We're like the moon. We reflect the light of the sun. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Should Christians get involved in politics? Well, the answer may surprise you. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains that Jesus not only encourages us to influence this world for the gospel, he commands it. It all has to do with being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Imagine if you could sit down with Jesus for a cup of coffee, just you and Jesus, face to face. What do you think Jesus would say to you? Well, my guess is that the answer is found in Matthew chapter 5. In this passage, Jesus talked about the things that matter most in life. He talked about our prayer life. He spoke about cultivating healthy relationships. He even had some things to say about our sex life. This month on Pathway to Victory, we're taking a deep dive into Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Over the many months when I was preparing this series for you, I decided to write a book as well. It's called 18 Minutes with Jesus. The subtitle is Straight Talk from the Savior About the Things That Matter Most. Before we begin the third message in this 10-part series, I want to make sure that you had occasion to request a copy. I truly believe that this will likely be the most important book you'll read this year. Not because I wrote it, but because it's about the words of Jesus Christ. Nothing will draw you closer to the Savior than listening to Him speak about the everyday issues that confront us all. My book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, is carefully written so that you can hear God's truth and integrate His wisdom into your daily life. Now, as a bonus, when you respond today, I'll make sure you receive the companion study guide that's interactive in nature so that you can get the very most from your personal investment. Both my book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, and the study guide are yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. We'll give our contact information later, but right now, let's turn our attention to message number three. I titled this one, Straight Talk about your faith. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let's look at both of these statements more in depth. First of all, Jesus talks about the value of salt. You are the salt of the earth. 
in Jesus' day, salt was a very valuable commodity. So what did Jesus mean when he said, you are like this valuable commodity called salt? I think he had two things in mind, two applications. One purpose of salt was to enhance thirst, to enhance thirst. In the same way Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and what? Thirst for righteousness. That's what Jesus is talking about here. When he talks about being salt, one idea is to enhance thirst. But there's another application of being salt, and that was to preserve food. Remember, in the days before refrigeration, the only way you could preserve meat was by packing it with salt. And Jesus said, in the same way, you and I are salt. We are restrainers of evil that is destroying our world. Erwin Lutzer, my good friend, recounts what happens when Christians are indifferent about what is happening in their nation and in their world. Dr. Lutzer recounts the testimony of a Christian living in Germany about the end result of indifference. I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it. A railroad track ran behind our small church. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train. We realized it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our lungs. We heard the screams. We sang more loudly and we soon heard them no more. There are churches across this country, there are churches all over the community of Dallas right now that are singing at the top of their lungs to try to drown out the evil that is pervading our country right now. We dare not do that. We must speak out and push back against evil, and we're going to continue to do it. You know, when it comes to our role in the culture and pushing back against evil, Christians go to one of two extremes. You know, there are some Christians who want to isolate themselves. They're salt, but they're going to stay in that shaker. There are other Christians who go to the opposite extreme. They identify with the culture. No, Jesus said, don't isolate yourself. Don't identify with the culture. Instead, influence the culture permeate the culture, get out of the shaker, get involved in the world of business and politics and entertainment. God needs his people in those arenas to be that preserving influence that God has called us to be. But notice Jesus gives another image that describes our purpose, and that is light. You are the light of the world. And our job here is not just to push back against evil, but it's also to share the light the only light of the world, Jesus Christ. I mean, quite frankly, what use is it to create spiritual thirst in people if you never show them how to satisfy that thirst through the uh, living word of God, Jesus Christ, the water of life? What use is it to delay God's judgment on the world if you don't tell people how to escape God's judgment in their life by trusting in Christ as Savior? And that's why Jesus says we must be the light of the world. Jesus likens believers to a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, verse 14. In Israel, in Jesus' day, 
the country was dotted with small rural villages, but there was one hill and there was one city on that hill. It was Jerusalem. And at night, when the temple lights, candles were on and the individual homes were uh, lighted, it could be seen for miles away. What is the city set on the hill today? It's not America. It's not Israel. It's not a nation. It is Christians, he said, who are showing forth the light of God's word in a dark world. He said, not only that, you're a lamp that cannot be hidden. In Jesus' day, for light in a house, you would take a lamp, kind of like Aladdin's lamp, and it was made out of clay with a reservoir of oil in it. It would be lit, and then it wouldn't be hidden under a basket. It would be put on a lampstand so that it could shine for everyone to see. Uh, for a light to be effective, it has to be seen. Just imagine in the middle of the night during one of these cold Dallas nights, your electricity goes off. Your house is completely black, but you remember you have a flashlight in the drawer beside your bed. So you reach for the flashlight and you're about to turn it on and you have another thought and you thought, you know what, I sure don't want to offend the darkness by showing this light. That will chase the darkness away. I don't want to offend the light. Would you do that? No. <laughs> light is meant to confront the darkness. In fact, light is of little value in the light. A flashlight makes no difference in the sunlight. It's in the darkness that it does its work. And the fact is, if a light is going to be effective, if we're going to be effective, we're effective for Christ not when we're around other light sources, other Christians. It is when we are in the darkness. Light has to confront the darkness, and it chases the darkness away. Perhaps you're wondering right now, ah, why is it God put me in this company where there are no Christians anywhere to be found? Why did God put me in this ungodly school? Why did God put me in this neighborhood where I'm the only believer? You've just answered your own question. Paul said in Philippians 2, 15 and 16, for in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation, you are children of light, holding forth the word of life. As the old saying goes, instead of cursing the darkness, light a light. And we are the light of the world. What's the application for us of this message? There are two applications. One for Christians individually. Remember, he starts with you individually. You are salt. Are you looking for opportunities to create spiritual thirst with the people around you by what you say? As far as pushing back against evil, what can you do to push back against evil? It may be going to a school board meeting and voting against a policy that is trying to cram ungodly thoughts into the lives of our children. It may be voting not because a candidate is perfect and godly, but because at least they embrace godly values. There are a lot of things that you can do individually to push back. As far as being light, are you praying for non-Christians around you, praying for an opportunity to share with them the way to heaven? You know, I am so proud of my son-in-law, Ryan, and my daughter, Julia. They have such an evangelistic heart about them. They always have had. When they first moved to Dallas, 
14 years ago to be interns in our youth ministry. When they came to Dallas, Julia and Ryan made a list of all the non-Christians they knew in Dallas, friends or family members who needed to know Christ as Savior. They made a list and they made a commitment that they were going to schedule an appointment with each one of those individuals, either for coffee or for dinner. And they were gonna share with them the gospel. And Julia said in her talk yesterday at the women's conference, they kept that commitment and they saw every one of those individuals come to faith in Jesus Christ that year. Now, that's something we can all do. That's something we can all do, but we have to be intentional about it, to be that light that God has called us to be. But there's also, secondly, an application for Christians collectively. We're not just individual grains of salt or an individual flashlight. We're in a church. You know, the only thing more effective than one grain of salt is a shaker of salt. The only thing more effective than a pen light or a flashlight is a floodlight. And that's what we are as First Baptist Church Dallas. We are a shaker of salt. We are a floodlight for the gospel. Now, I want you to understand something about our church, what it means for us to be salt. God has given us an important amount of influence in this world, a great platform that we need to be faithful in using for God. Part of our strategy in being salt is to push back against evil. God's given us the ability to do that in a very public way. Today, there are people who wonder, why do we get involved in the pro-life movement and speaking out against abortion? That's politics. No, that is a moral, a spiritual issue. Fact is, that word politics, the Latin word for it means influence. Influence. When you say Christians shouldn't get involved in politics or pastors shouldn't get involved in politics, what you're saying is Christians should not try to influence the world in which they live. Can anybody say that with a straight face? And man, Jesus said, you are salt. You are a preservative. We need to push back against evil. And I want to, what I want to say clearly is this. We will never, we never have and we never will at First Baptist Dallas get involved in partisan politics. We are not an extension of the Republican National Convention. We are not an extension of the Democrat National Convention. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I vote according to biblical values. We will never get involved in partisan politics, but we will always speak out against evil wherever and whenever we find it. Now... I think to be fair, to be fair, I have to commend the Biden administration for their response in Ukraine. I commend them for imposing these tough sanctions. I commend them for sending military aid to the Ukrainians, and I encourage them to do more and more and more of that. But the good they are doing in Ukraine does not erase the fact that the policies of the Biden administration are the most ungodly policies of any presidential administration in the history of the United States of America. That is just a fact. The Supreme Court said they will hear a case. They are willing to hear a religious liberties case. It involves a 
web designer in Colorado, a Christian, who was told that she had to design an invitation for a homosexual marriage. Marriage, that's no marriage. But she said, they said, you have to design a wedding invitation or be fired. And she pushed back and said, my religious beliefs do not allow me to condone what God has condemned. So the issue is going to be, should she be forced to make that wedding invitation? The Biden administration says, yes. In fact, right now, they are reversing every religious liberty protection the former president put into effect. They are doing a war against religious liberty. They are ungodly in doing that. It is the Biden administration that is arguing for sex change operations for minor children who are confused about gender, this whole transgender agenda that they are cramming down the throats of Americans is nothing but an abomination to Almighty God. He's the one who creates people male and female, not us. And this, let me say this, the Supreme Court has announced that this summer they will issue a ruling in a challenge to Roe v. Wade. For the first time in 50 years, there is the opportunity that we will overturn this, this ruling that has sanctioned the murder of 50 million children since 1973. They are seriously considering overturning it or seriously diminishing it. It is the Biden administration, those Justice Department officials who are arguing before the Supreme Court Parents ought to have the right to murder their children. That is the Biden administration. And again, the reason I say they are the most ungodly administration in history is not because they are Democrats, it is because they are wrong. And we're gonna continue to say that every opportunity we have to say that. That's the role of the church. And if you wanna go to a church where that's not discussed, go someplace else, where they sing loud. They just sing at the top of their lungs and never stand for anything. This city is filled with those churches just like that. Now, one thing we're gonna stand for and push back against is the erosion of religious liberty. Now, I've alluded to you all over the last few months. I've made some cryptic references to an attack that our church is under when it comes to religious freedom. And I can't talk about it fully yet. Soon, I'm gonna be able to tell you the whole story about the attempt to challenge our religious liberty. But I can tell you right now, we're winning the fight. We're winning the fight. And the reason we're winning is not because God is on our side, but we're on God's side. And no church ought to have government telling them anything about what they can or cannot do in a worship service, what they can or cannot do in the pulpit. That is none of their business. And we're pushing back hard against that. I had um, very recently a very high-ranking official in Washington, D.C. say, do you realize that of all the churches in America they could have chosen to go after, they're going after the First Baptist Church of Dallas. And they're doing it for a reason. They know if you all fail and crumble and, and fold on this, it will have a chilling effect 
on thousands of churches in America that will think up twice about what they say. They will check what they say and so forth. That is why they are going after you. You ought to consider that a badge of honor. Well, I don't consider it necessarily a badge of honor, but I consider it a badge of responsibility. They know if they can silence us, they can silence anybody. And that's why we are not going to allow that to happen. We are going to stand firm. And I say that because you ought to be honored and proud to be a member of a church that God is using not just to protect its own religious liberty, God has raised this church up to protect the religious liberty of thousands of churches just like us. So let's continue to pray that God will grant us success in all of that. We are called, we are called to push back against evil. But none of that is worth anything if we're not faithful collectively to be the light of the world. The only reason we want to delay God's judgment on America and our country is so that we have longer to share the gospel. And that's why a couple of weeks ago, we took time from Sunday school to try to equip every one of our members in how to share their faith in Jesus Christ. We're that light in this community. Right now, we are broadcasting our messages to millions of people in all 195 countries around the world. I got a letter recently from a public school teacher of an inner city school in Los Angeles, California. That teacher is a Christian. She said, every morning I listen to Pathway to Victory on the radio on my way into school. It gives me the encouragement. It gives me the information I need to be a witness to my students. Thank you, First Baptist Church Dallas, for doing that. That's what our church is about. That's why we're here. That's the only reason we're here. I mean, think about it. Why did God leave you and me on this earth? Why didn't he take us to heaven? He didn't leave us here to build a big financial portfolio of stocks and bonds and possessions. He didn't lead us here to have a successful career. He didn't even leave us here to have a happy family life. He left us here to be that salt, to be that light. And that's what we're going to do at First Baptist Dallas in these months and years ahead. We're going to turn on the floodlight of the gospel. We're going to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. You likely noticed by virtue of my comments regarding the Supreme Court that today's message was delivered before the justices decided to overturn Roe v. Wade. Their courageous pro-life decision was bolstered by countless Christians who have prayed for this miracle for nearly 50 years. And many have spoken up for the sanctity of human life as well. Listen, that's what makes this study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount so powerful and relevant. I've called this teaching series, 18 Minutes with Jesus. In a moment, David will explain how you can request the audio CDs and the video DVDs for the entire study. But right now, I want to make sure that you have reached out to request a copy of my best-selling book. It's also titled, 18 Minutes with Jesus. The subtitle is Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. 
In fact, when you respond today, I'll also send you the companion study guide, which you can use in your personal study or together with a group of friends. So while there's still time, please call, write a letter, or go online to ptb.org and request these two resources. They come with my thanks when you include a much-needed and generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Your gifts truly make a difference. In fact, the results are astounding. We hear from grateful school teachers who listen to this program before they step onto their secular campuses. We hear from peace officers who find Pathway to Victory an oasis during their dangerous duties. We hear from pastors and church leaders who use our resources as curriculum with their congregations. And it's all because we have partners like you who give generously to Pathway to Victory. So please keep up the good work, and thanks so much. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you invest in the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, we'll say thanks by sending you the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress called 18 Minutes with Jesus. As a bonus, we're going to send you the companion study guide. Call 866-999-2965 or visit our website at ptv.org. And when your investment in this ministry is $75 or more, We'll also send you the complete collection of audio and video discs for the 18 Minutes with Jesus teaching series. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You could write to us if you'd like. Here's the mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, wishing you a great weekend. Then join us again next week when Dr. Jeffress continues his series called 18 Minutes with Jesus, right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.